Was it on that time? There we go. Popped on. Thank you. Actually, that was beautiful. That is a great song, isn't it? I'm so glad to see you all here this morning. I had a couple of questions last week, and let's just get it out of the way, okay? Uh, I have a number of autoimmune diseases, and what the latest says connective tissue disease, and it's in the muscles, all right? And it's, it will cause a deterioration. It's fairly slow. I'm still kicking. Only thing I can't do is balance, all right? I can still talk, okay, and sing, and I can play the piano. So you're supposed to ignore the fact that I can't walk, all right? <laughs> and now putting that aside, uh, well, let me just say, God's got this. He's taking care of me. I am blessed. I am absolutely blessed. So if you won't worry about it, I won't, okay? <laughs> I know it's probably, is she going to make it or not? No, I'm, I'm really pretty good. I've got people around me all the time that will hang on, huh? Uh-huh, I sure do. So it's, it's just fine. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, we're just after you this morning. We just want more of you. I've got a bunch of women who've gathered here in your name, Father, because they love you, because they know there's always more, that you're a God of never-ending depth. If we'll just come and get you, Father, if we'll just reach for you. So we give this day to you. Lord, it's yours. And we ask you in the name of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, if you'll just catch our minds and put into our hearts the very thing you want to this day. Oh, God, I pray that I there's something here that you have for each woman that's here today. Let us move closer than we've ever been because you're a mighty God, and I know that's what you want. And I ask it in the name of my precious Savior, my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. I wanted to start with a little bit about David from the last two chapters of 1 Samuel because there were several of you that have not been here for the first study. And our first question when we go into the study room, this is the answer to it, okay? Pretty close to the answer to it. We need to know this. When you are in a storm, do you know you get vulnerable? When the storm's really heavy, you just do. Well, we talked last week about Judge Kavanaugh, and you talk about vulnerable that guy has put it. He's opened his life to the press and to the world uh, in order to serve at a position that he really believes that he's been called to, and the enemy has just trashed his life. He's right. His family will be always marked by those accusations. It won't matter where his girls go. There'll be somebody that says, I heard what your daddy did. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're true or they're not true. Once you say something about someone, it's out there. You know, he couldn't stop the tears on Thursday. I, I hope some of you watched that. And he was angry at one point, too. And the press really got onto that. They loved his anger and made a big deal about it. But you know what? The root of anger is fear. You see your little child heading across the road. You go after them, and once you get them safely in your arms, you paddle their bottom. And you say, don't ever do that again. And you're angry. Why are you angry? Scared. They scared you. So... <laughs> Judge Kavanaugh's scared, and he's vulnerable, and I think he's far more scared for his family than he is for himself. And also, we know that Satan is heartless, and you see it in his followers. They're just going to be that way. But when we look at David, young David was totally righteous. It was amazing. Now, when he gets older, he gets in a little trouble, but we're not there yet. Let's go with how righteous he is right now at this point. But the king of Israel hated him. Uh, how fair is that? Everything he did was for God and, and for the king, but it didn't matter. Saul pursued him for 10 years. And what was Saul's intent? I'm going to kill him. 
that was in his mind all the time. Adversity that did not let go, and he was vulnerable. His family suffered. He had to get his mom and dad and get them hustled out of Israel to a place that was safe. Satan never plays fair. Just get ready for that. But because of Saul's jealousy, David was homeless for 10 years. Finally, that pursuit became so intense that David took his wives and the band of followers, and he moved out of Israel, his beloved country. Where'd he go? To the Philistines. Now, guys, that's strange. Do you understand why that's strange? He had killed Goliath, and who was Goliath? A Philistine, all right? Not only that, he had been in battle with the Philistines and had defeated them time and time again, fighting arm to arm against with Jonathan at his side. Not only that, he delivered 200 Philistine foreskins to King Saul. Now, that would have ticked him off a little bit, wouldn't it? Unreasonably. The Philistine king welcomed him, believing he must hate King Saul and that he would be a friend to the Philistines. And he was so taken with David that not only did he welcome him, he gave him a city. And the city was away from the other Philistines, a perfect place for him to take little trips to the south, defeating Israel's enemies and bringing back loot, bounty. Well, David had been on the run since he was 20. Now he's getting close to 30 years old. He's been under God's protection all of this time, as hard as things were. And he was constantly writing psalms that you could read during this time, during this hard time, writing songs of praise to God, just blessing his name. When he would go get booty from these enemies of Israel, he would always be careful to bring back some loot and give it to King, a uh, King Achish, uh, who believed that David was, was raiding the towns of Israel, the tribes of Israel. So in the last of 1 Samuel, David returns from battle with his 600 men, and as they got near Ziklag, what did they see? Smoke, a lot of smoke. You can imagine what their hearts did. And, and they, they came into the city and discovered it was burned to the ground, and there were no women there. There were no children there. There was no livestock there. Oh, my goodness, something like that hits you in the stomach. Your family knocks the breath out of you. There's, there was grief, and there was despair, and the wives and the children, they may be dead. They didn't know what was wrong here, what had happened. Was it God watching out for David? And the questions started coming, the doubt. And I wonder how many times God has asked, why, God? Why? Why is this thing happening, right? <laughs> Evil's unleashed in this world still today, and I want to say especially today. And Satan delights in seeing suffering. But will you please not be confused about which is the works of God and which are the works of the devil? Will you get that straightened out in your mind? The enemy wants you to blame God. But the truth, Satan gets into men who refuse his grace. And he uses them as instruments, instruments of destruction. They inflict evil on the world. You think God is behind our nation murdering six million little babies in the womb? You think God's behind that? No. Abusing little children? Absolutely not. You think God causes a person to take a gun and shoot up a school? That is not God. Give credit where credit's due. That is Satan. And don't let anyone confuse you by saying to you, how does God let this happen to you? You know, and you tell them a testimony when you are in trial. God will even take what Satan has done and will bring good from it if, if you allow him access to your heart. The Lord becomes a fortress in your day of trouble. I've experienced it, and I know you have too. It seems like 
we're helpless to do anything about much of what is going on in this world. Do you feel like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop? Get up of the morning and after you've heard what has happened yesterday, wonder what Russia's going to do. We're hearing now that they're, they're getting closer and closer to our borders with submarines. <laughs> what if some computer nerd gets into our, our, our system of the power grid and takes it down because now we're being threatened that that's a possibility? What shape will America be in when the computers go down? Why, guys, we can't even go to Walmart. They won't know how to bring anything up, will they? Without a computer? My goodness, and forget, forget McDonald's. It's not, not going to happen. We've become, listen, all joking aside, businesses, businesses will come down. We'll have to start again. We'll have to go back to mom and pop stores with, with collecting a little money there. Anyway, it's time for us to remember that we can't control the events of the world, but we have a God who is absolutely in control. And he operates in the supernatural and we keep forgetting that. We can pray great big prayers. Ask for the supernatural in your life. That's his domain. He has big plans for his people, called by his name. Yes, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Pray powerful. It's a key element in the life of a believer to know and believe my God can do anything. And pray powerful. Then David, the scripture says, then David and the men with him lifted up their voices and wept until they could weep no more. Jewish men cried. They wailed. It's a cleansing. Jesus wept. Do you remember? In our nation, I know that we need tears. I pray for President Trump, and I pray God give him tears. <laughs> give him brokenness as he learns that his trust cannot be in himself, but must be in you. Oh, God, give him tears. Oh, that America would acknowledge their need of God. We are hopeless without him, but with him, we have every reason to stand tall and hope. David's 600 men were, of course, filled with despair at first, and they mourned. That was good, but then the word started coming somewhere in the back, and they grew and grew until they turned on him. Stone David. Our wives and our children are gone. We're in a mess here. We have nothing left. Stone him. What did David do? Out of those ruins and smoldering ashes there in Ziklag, his faith just rises. He got up and he looked up. He didn't look around at them. He looked up. There's a whole different teaching in that in there. It says my, one of my favorite things in the Bible is to see it. But David encouraged himself in the Lord and went on. When there's no one to encourage you, do you understand you've got a Holy Spirit inside of you and you can encourage yourself in the Lord and go on? You might be thinking, well, I just get out of one storm and another one's on the horizon. <laughs> I know there are people in here that they're going through one right now. There are storms for everyone. You know that. The only question is, do you go through the storm with him or without him? That's our choice. You are going through. Will you go through with him? Are you going to try it on your own? Just read that multitude of psalms that are titled A Psalm of David and understand that he gave himself a talking to. He would talk to his soul. He did that. He'd say, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. I hope he was looking in a mirror when it, well, in the water, whatever they had those days. I don't know. Okay. We sometimes look at others and think, well, they don't have the problems that I have. 
or we look at some rascal that's just getting rich at somebody else's expense. But let me just say this, and I know you know it, but let's remind ourselves, do not envy them. He has an eternity ahead of, of him that you would not want to be a part of. Pity him. He needs Jesus. That's what this little time that we got here is all about, and he's missing it. He's missing it. Trouble comes. Why, God? Well, have you experienced this? I'm just going to read this, and you see if you've experienced it. God will hold us up in our sorrow and walk with us through the valley until we can get our feet under us. And it is in the valley that we learn that the presence of God is enough, and we learn it in a way that we have never experienced him before. That's what valleys are for. Painful events can destroy us or give us a brand new faith in God. We get up, we march on, and we got more to go to heaven for than I had yesterday. Hard times always change us. The question is how? Have you seen Christians get bitter? Have you seen Christians get better? The way they handle what's coming to them is, is such a testimony for their life. Some of us are devastated because of mistakes that we've made, bad choices. And God says, run to me. Always run toward him. There have been a time or two that I have crawled to him. Really slow progress, but I got there. But I know this, never turn your back on God. When you do, you're facing darkness. He is light. And when you turn your back, get ready to step into the shadows. How dark it is when you try to walk away from him. Do not do that to yourself. Toward him. David didn't become angry at his, at his friends, which he certainly could have done. Or he didn't try to make them see his side. He just simply focused on God. Mm, what a lesson for me. He looked beyond discouragement. He drew strength and courage from Jehovah. I wonder how David did it. You think maybe he might have remembered all those psalms that he wrote? You think they might come in singing in his head as, he, as he's there? Or did he recall past victories? Maybe he pictured himself a few years ago, a decade ago and more, when he was a little boy and he looked up at, at Goliath and said, I can take him. My God will do this. Maybe that's what happened. You know, there was nothing encouraging about the situation when he was in, so he looked at God. And then he said to the priest, he said, bring me the ephod. You know what the ephod is? That yom and thummim, right? All right that the priests carried with him all the time, just happened to be with David and not with Saul. So, girls, have you picked up your harp in terrible times and sang a song to God? Do you recall wonderful things that he's done for you in your past, and he got me through that, and I know he'll take me through this? You see, circumstances always change, but God never changes. One thing we can count on, praise God, he doesn't change. What he said is true and will always be true, and we don't have to think that he'll waver. He's there for you. Go ahead and weep your heart out before him, and, but stay until you are encouraged, until you encourage yourself in the Lord. And the result, God said, go, David, go. You'll find him. Everything will be restored. And they attacked the Amalekites, and through the supernatural power of God, they got back every single person untouched and unharmed. They retrieved their possessions and the Amalekites' possessions too. There's something about wait three days. It may be black on Friday, but just wait three days. Sunday's coming. It's not over till God says it's over. They went back to Ziklag with much more than they left with and much more than they had before their women and children were taken. Here's what David didn't know. 
let me close with this. In the last chapter of 1 Samuel, we find that while he is defeating the Amalekites, that very day, King Saul was fighting the Philistines. Saul and his three sons were killed on that day. So on that very day, although David didn't know it, the kingdom of Israel was left with a vacancy. And King David would fill it. The anointing by Samuel had been years ago, hard years, terrible years for him. Years I'm sure David had trouble believing that one day he would be king, but I think David hung on to that. So 72 hours after the men were ready to stone him, his destiny is fulfilled. You don't know what's around the corner, but know this. God's preparing you for a walk in his Shekinah glory. How beautiful is the sunshine after a storm. It's going to come, and never, ever doubt that God is good. Let me mention this. Nidra, where are you? Nidra, raise your hand. Or, or pop up so these new people can see you. This is a girl responsible for you having coffee and hot chocolate and cookies. Oh, look at that. Get up. <laughs> that was about four inches. Could you guys see her? And Nidra, a uh, little over a week ago, I believe, got news that she has cancer. We spoke about it last week. And already, you know, as soon as I talked to her on the phone, she's telling me, God's got this. I'll, it's going to be fine. God's got this. You just see her faith all over the place. And this morning, she was just a grinning from ear to ear. She said, I need that. Don't you? Not to be afraid, but to be confident. However, since she is fixing our goodies, why don't we pray for her just every day? All right? No telling who you'll get if she's not back there. So... Just start praying for that lady. Oh, we want her restored. We're so grateful with what he did for Kathy last year. What a blessing to us. So we want to remember that. I had a hand over here. Yes. About what, sweetheart? Coffee and cookies. Are you ready for some, honey? All right. Well, we'll get right to it, or she might leave. I'm not sure. How about if you stand with me? And by the way, for you, for you new guys, when you get your coffee and stuff, you can carry it into the room. They trust us not to spill. <coughs> Phyllis, <laughs> if you all will stand with me, please. All right. Myra, can you pray?